Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. All right, uh, we are in the midst of a series called In Conclusion. Uh, What we're doing in this series is we are looking at uh, different conclusions to different letters uh, throughout the Gospels because what would happen when the authors would come back to that conclusion uh, is they would take us back to points that they've been trying to emphasize throughout the letter and they would kind of drive them home uh, and highlight them. But today I want to deviate just a little bit and instead of looking at the letters, uh, we're going to look at Jesus's ministry because I believe that Jesus had a couple of moments in his ministry that were kind of like in conclusion moments. Uh, Last week, we looked at the conclusion of the book of Ephesians. Uh, The book of Ephesians, if you remember, concluded with Paul saying, uh, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle uh, in the heavenly realms. And we talked about the fact that whether you agree with us being in a battle or not does not determine whether the battle is real. Uh, The Bible says we are in the midst of a battle uh, with spiritual forces in heavenly realms. But the focus of Paul's letter was... Uh, the armor of God and what comprises the armor of God, that we've been given faith and salvation and truth and righteousness. Uh, One of the things that we looked at in this, uh, uh, the armor of God was we've been given uh, given this impenetrable defense called the shield of faith and how uh, we've been uh, given this shield so that whenever Satan attacks us with what Paul refers to as fiery darts, which are lies and accusations. We have a shield of faith that recognizes that, and the Bible says to make it obedient to Christ. And we talked a little bit about how you do that, which is with the sword of the Spirit. You go on offense with the sword of the Spirit, and you replace those lies with the truths of the Word of God, with the truths that we are loved and chosen and forgiven and righteous and holy in Christ. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, and actually, we didn't talk about this uh, last week, but... Uh, If you look at the Gospels, Jesus does this when he's tempted in the garden. If you remember, Satan came uh, after him with lies and accusations, and Jesus recognized them, and and he came back with, it is written. Uh, When Satan said, uh, command these stones to be bread, Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live by uh, bread alone. He's coming back and fighting back with the word of God. When Satan said, throw yourself off this mountain, then angels will protect you. Jesus responded, it is written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then there's one other that I kind of want to focus on a little bit this morning. Uh, When Satan took him up on a high mountain and he said, if you bow down, I have the passage if you want to put it up, uh, Silas. Uh, Satan said, if you bow down and worship me, all these kingdoms, another word there is is realms, uh, all the realms of the earth are mine and I will give you the authority. That word authority uh, literally translates to the jurisdiction. And Satan is saying, Jesus, if you'll bow down before me, I'll give you authority and jurisdiction over every realm on the earth. And Jesus replied, it is written, we will uh, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day that we remember and we recognize and we celebrate when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and on the believers uh, in Acts chapter 2. And as such, there are a few things that I want to look at that start here in the garden that are relevant to Pentecost Sunday. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Silas, if you want to put that up, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was uh, for 40 days tempted by the devil right off the bat. It says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Now, can I say for just a moment, if you are in a challenging season of life, it doesn't mean that you are in the midst of punishment or judgment by God. Sometimes the Spirit of God will lead us into trying seasons, just like the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. It's in those times that uh, we lean on God, we find God there. So perhaps you're not in the midst of a season where you're crying out, God, pull me out, so that he'll pull you out. But, but God is saying, find me in the midst of that challenging season. The Holy Spirit led you there. And if you keep moving on to verse 14, it says something else that, uh, that's key here concerning the Holy Spirit. It says, when Jesus came out of the garden, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So the Bible says this. It says, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Bible also says? It says the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. Uh, I'll never forget the, uh, with Rob, when we were meeting in the mall, one day I saw Rob Ashey and I said, Rob, you're wearing the same shoes. We have the same shoes. But actually, we just had similar shoes made by the same company and the same material, maybe even the same size, maybe the same stench. I don't know, but they were different <laughs> shoes. When the Bible says that the very same spirit lives inside of us, it's not saying that you have a spirit like that one that filled Jesus. You don't have a spirit that's similar to the one that empowered Jesus. The Bible says the very same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. Can I tell you something? If we are living lives that are led by the Holy Spirit of God, if we have been filled by the Spirit of God, if we are living empowered by the Spirit of God, that should look different than it did before we were filled with the Spirit of God. It should look different than those who have not been filled with the Spirit of God. And if we sit here this morning and we say, I've been filled and empowered and led by the Spirit, we need to actually look at our lives and say, okay, if that's a reality, then something should look different than those around me who perhaps have not been filled with God's Spirit. It's always appropriate to step back and examine ourselves in the faith. Say, God, maybe I am filled by your Spirit, but... Am I being led by your spirit on a daily basis? I love what happens right after this with Jesus. He comes out of the garden uh, and the Bible says he goes into the, the, the temple. He opens up the book of Isaiah and what's the first thing he reads? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's filled by the spirit, power, powered by the spirit, led by the spirit. And the first thing he reads is the spirit of the Lord is upon me on this Pentecost Sunday church. The presence of God is in this place. I can fill it up here if you can't fill it there. But church, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on his church. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, if you want to read with me, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as, he was, uh, as was custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. 
Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, Good news to the poor, freedom to every captive, sight to every blind, freedom to the oppressed. What I love is what happens next is Jesus begins to show us exactly what he meant by that and exactly what it looks like. What did Jesus mean when he said, uh, said I'm here to set every captive free? The very next thing that happened uh, uh, in verse 31 uh, is the Bible says he goes to the synagogue and a man who is possessed by a demon comes before him and Jesus sternly says, come out of him. And I love that Jesus says this, I've come to set every captive free. And the first thing that Jesus does is he releases someone from spiritual bondage. When Jesus said, I'm here to set the captive free, it began with spiritual bondage. But something else is taking place. You see, uh, Satan had offered Jesus authority over every realm. And Jesus said, no, thank you. Uh, I'll take it myself. And in this moment, Jesus is demonstrating that he has authority over the spiritual realm. The Bible says in verse 36 that even the people... Uh, that were around him that they recognized it when they said what words are these with authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out what happens next is he leaves that place and he continues filled with the spirit and led by the spirit and powered by the spirit and he goes to Simon's house and the Bible says that Simon's uh, mother or mother-in-law was sick with fever and he uh, lays hands on her and she is healed instantly now remember, Satan had offered Jesus authority over every realm on this earth. And Jesus has already demonstrated he has authority over the spiritual realm. But in a moment, the next thing he does is demonstrate, I've got authority over the physical realm as well. In fact, the next thing the Bible says in verse 40, says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. So there's the physical realm. The next thing, moreover, demons came out of many people. There's the spiritual realm. What Jesus is doing is he marches out of the garden, and he begins establishing his authority that he didn't have to take from Satan. It's already his. The next thing that takes place is uh, Jesus is approached by uh, a group of men who are carrying a paralyzed man. And already having demonstrated his authority over the physical and the spiritual, Jesus looks at the man and what does he say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now the Pharisees and the religious leaders understood, if you look in Luke chapter 5, no one can forgive sins but God. They recognize that. But Jesus is demonstrating something else. It's not just the spiritual realm, it's not just the physical realm, but when you get into eternity, it's the eternal realm. And Jesus is showing that I have authority, I have jurisdiction over this realm as well. And incredibly, as we walk through the book of Luke, it's almost as if every miracle that Jesus is performing is revealing a new dimension of his authority. 
You remember it wasn't long after this, the centurion came up and he said, uh, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come. And he said, you don't have to. I understand authority. I understand jurisdiction. And I understand all you have to do is say the word. You don't even have to be there. He understood Jesus's authority. Next, Jesus continues. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 11, it says, soon afterward, Jesus went down to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. Now consider at this point, Jesus had demonstrated his authority over the physical, the spiritual, and the eternal. But to this point, he had not demonstrated his own authority over the arena of life and death. That's about to change. It says in verse 13, when he saw the dead boy's mother, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier and they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now Jesus has demonstrated, I have authority and jurisdiction even over the realm of life and death. If you remember in John chapter 2, they actually came to Jesus and they said, what will you do to prove that you have all of this authority? And Jesus said, Pointing towards, towards his resurrection, he said, if you tear down the temple, in three days I'll build it back up. And it'll be proof of my authority. Can I just stop for a minute and say, I don't know what realm of life you're struggling with this morning, but I know the God who has jurisdiction over that realm. I know the God with authority over your every need. So Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus gives his life on the cross. And three days later, Jesus raises or rises from the dead, establishing his authority over every arena of life. After giving his life on the cross, after his resurrection, he continued uh, his ministry for 40 days. And after his 40 days were up, he gathered his disciples together and he made the first of those conclusion statements I told you about this morning in Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Those words for authority and given is the exact same verbiage that Satan used in the garden when he said, I can give you this authority. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, says, oh, it's been given to me. He says, I have authority over everything. In conclusion of everything you've seen to this point, it's all under my jurisdiction. But based on that conclusion, Jesus has another conclusion. He says, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus might as well have said in conclusion of everything I have established concerning my authority, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to go. Church, because of the authority of Jesus Christ, because everything falls under his power, we should have boldness to go to all the world. But we should also have a desire 
to go to all the wor world. You can't sell something you don't believe in, church. And what God has done for you on the cross has to hit you in your heart to such a point that it becomes a fire in your bones that you want to share it with everyone you meet. But something amazing happens because the disciples in this moment have witnessed and encountered so much, so many miracles with Jesus. And Jesus says the most amazing thing to him. He says, wait. Don't go anywhere wet yet. Wait. In Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 4 through 9, it says, On one occasion, this is after his resurrection, while he was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time are you going to restore your kingdom? Uh, the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taking up, uh, taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The last recorded words in scripture that Jesus gave while he was on the earth was, wait for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from there, you will be launched into ministry to be witnesses all over the world. And Luke chapter 24, he said it this way, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Church, are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Have you been, been empowered by the Spirit of God? Now there's something interesting happening here because in John chapter 20, verse 22, the Bible says that Jesus was with his disciples and it says he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what's going on here? where he is telling a people who have received the Holy Spirit to wait for the Holy Spirit. The people have already received the Holy Spirit in John 20. And now Jesus is saying, don't go do anything until you receive something else. And he calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now what is that? It's a, it's a moment where the Holy Spirit in our lives moves from a place where he just dwells within us. He is the assurance of our salvation to a place where he is active and working within us. When the Bible talks about immersion uh, uh, or baptism, it's this dripping wet, like you are just drenched and clothed. When the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's saying the, the Holy Spirit isn't just a part of you, the Holy Spirit is central to your every move and your every, every being. Uh, we went to the zoo uh, a couple days ago. We took the kids there. And uh, as, as we're reading all the plaques in front of the animals, it's interesting to see what animals people consider pets in different parts of the world. Now, you go some places, and people think that a tiger is a pet. And what they'll do is they'll declaw the tiger when it's you know, a little pup or whatever you call a baby tiger. And in that moment, 
it's no longer the way that God created it. Now, it's safer, but it's not what God created, the way God created it anymore. Same thing, we saw a skunk. And it said right there, many people think skunks are pets. And I said, why would you do that? They stink so bad. I don't even think about it. You can remove that gland that stinks. Now, when you remove that gland, it's no longer what God created or the way God created it. It's much more pleasant, but it's no longer the way that God has created it. I don't offer my opinion very often. I try to just stick straight to scripture, but I'm going to offer my opinion as to why churches are closing their doors every day and every week in America. It's because we've taken the Holy Spirit and we've said, if we can remove the Holy Spirit from our churches, it won't be how God intended it anymore, but it'll be more pleasant. It'll be safer. Nobody will ever call us a radical. Nobody will ever call us extreme. We can replace the Holy Spirit with programs. Oh, it's going to be glorious. But it's no longer how God intended it in the New Testament church. Church, if we limit or remove the Holy Spirit altogether, thinking that we are doing the world a favor, the world isn't looking to get plugged into country clubs. The world isn't looking for something that, that's... that's uh, j just give me tradition. That's not our world anymore. The world is looking for something real. And if we remove the Holy Spirit from the church, yeah, no, nobody will call you a radical. But can I tell you, nobody will come to church either. We have got to get to a place in our faith where we say, God, I will become even more undignified than this if it means bringing glory to your kingdom. We have got to get to a place where we say, God, I just want to be filled by your spirit. I want to be led by your spirit, no matter what that looks like, empowered by your spirit, where the spirit of God is upon me. Do you know what happened when the spirit of God fell on the New Testament church? They looked at him and they said, they, they're drunk over there. People didn't offer up compliments. But can I tell you something? They changed the world far more than the church is changing the world today. And on Pentecost Sunday, we, we recognize the Holy Spirit coming to the church, but for so many people in the church around the world, around our nation, it's the only day of the year that we recognize the Holy Spirit with us. And what God has called us to as a church is to walk step in step with the Spirit in boldness, boldness, church! Mike, can you go ahead and come up? Can I tell you what a spirit-filled lo life looks like? It looks like this. Proclaiming good news to the poor. Proclaiming freedom for every captive. Spiritual freedom, emotional freedom, physical freedom from sickness. Proclaiming recovery of sight for the blind. Freedom for the oppressed. Everything that Jesus did as he stepped out of that garden, the Bible says he did it under the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know what the Spirit-filled life looks like? Look at Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples? As the Father has sent me into the world, that's how I'm sending you. Do you know what happened to Jesus? The world hated him. And he said, if, if you walk the way that I've walked, they'll hate you too. 
They'll persecute you too. Can you guys stand with me this morning? Mike is going to lead us in a chorus. Uh, I'm going to ask a prayer team. Marlon, if, if you guys, uh, what I want to do today is, if, if you're part of a prayer team, uh, Rob, I want to go back to the hallway back here just so if anybody wants to slip to the back for prayer, uh, they're able to. Um, Mike's going to lead us in a chorus that says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Um, as you're singing these words, we're not singing it over an organization or over uh, a structured building here, but I want you to sing those words over your life. Holy Spirit, you are welcome right here in my heart, in my life, to move in powerful ways, to draw me into seasons of boldness, church. Uh, we're going to have a prayer team through the hallway here, and the reason is if you're here and you say, I've got the Holy Spirit, but I don't know anything about being filled with the Holy Spirit or led by the Holy Spirit or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, if that's something this morning that you say, Pastor, I need that in my life. We're going to be back there to pray with you. Uh, if that's not you, uh, that's okay. I just want you to sing these words over your own life. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. you too uncomfortable, just place your hands over your heart. We are welcoming the Holy Spirit into our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you would send your spirit in this place, God. Over each individual, God, that you would begin filling us with your spirit, sending us into a lost and broken world, God, to proclaim freedom and good news. This morning, God, we welcome you into our hearts. Mike, would you lead us again? Lord, I pray your church would come out of hiding. I pray that we would be your church outside of the four walls, God. Recognizing everywhere we are, every person we encounter, Lord. We are representatives of you. pray, God, for a spirit-filled revival to sweep this community and sweep this nation. Lord, this, this morning we surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you didn't tell my dad about the allowance earlier, now's a good time. Uh, they have kickball at Morrison Park. Uh, lunch is provided. That's for our youth and parents. Uh, so uh, go to that. Uh, have a great week, church. It's good seeing you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.